This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Good things going. Happy Wednesday. Another edition of Sportsnet today. Logan Gordon along with you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios here in Calgary, Alberta. For our friends at Doug Lacey's Basement Systems. Cracked foundation, Boeing foundation walls. We have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things basementy. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Alongside my outstanding producers this afternoon, Cam and Taylor. Got you for the next two hours here on the program. Lots to get to. News around the NHL today. Contract extensions. LTIR news out of Toronto. And perhaps a Coyotes prospect not returning to college and making the jump to professional hockey. Uh, Canadian women with a big win this morning at the World Cup. Also, Jays can't get it done in extras against the LA Dodgers last night. Taylor has your Jays report a little bit later on, but we'll chat with Sho Ali from Sportsnet 590 The Fan in Toronto a little bit later on this hour to talk about the latest Jays collapse and how it's got uh, the Toronto Blue Jays management feeling ahead of the MLB trade deadline. And if you know what exactly this Jays team is, uh, you're better than I because I cannot figure this group out. Last night, uh, a chance to seem like an easy chance to walk out of LA with another victory. Eric Swanson can't get it done. Go to extras. Mitch White in. Gives up the game winner. We'll get into all of that as the uh, afternoon rolls on. Plus the latest from the Calgary Stampeders. They're back at practice today. Getting set for a matchup in Montreal against the Alouettes on Sunday. The big news from Calgary yesterday. Uh, the trade for Jagarit Davis. Defensive lineman. Back with the team after uh, acquiring him from the Hamilton Tiger Cats. He is en route to YYC. Expected to join the team tomorrow. No word yet on his status potentially for the weekend ahead of their matchup against the Montreal Alouettes. Well, let's start off with the news of the day. A quick reminder, uh, the fan feedback line always open to you at 960-960. Questions, comments, concerns, want to know what Cam's car is doing at the shop this week, you can send them in to 960-960. We'll get to the text line throughout the afternoon. But we start with some NHL news and some news that we alluded to yesterday on the program. Have you guys noticed, Ken, this is kind of happening to us now as we do these NHL off-season reviews? A couple weeks ago, we went off and talked about Detroit and Ottawa, 
Yeah. And then a couple of days later, the Alex DeBrinket trade happens. I see what you're getting at here. Yeah. And yesterday, with uh, Aaron Vickers on the program, we talked to Adam Gold, Hurricanes pre and post game show. And I asked him about a Sebastian Ajo extension and what that would look like for the Carolina Hurricanes. And here's what he had to say ahead of today's news. What's the future look like for a guy like Sebastian Ajo going into a contract year here pending UFA next season? Have they started to broach contract extension talks with him or is that something that will be taken care of uh, after next season, Adam? Nah, it'll be taken care of this summer. I don't believe they'll get to training camp without a contract extension. My understanding is that they are super close to uh, kind of crossing the T's and dotting the I's on it. And, and there's a, a fair amount of T's and I's in Sebastian Ajo. So um, I, think, I think it'll be done. Uh, it probably should have already been done, but uh, sometimes Carolina's owner, Tom Dundon, is not the most, uh, he's not the easiest to deal with in negotiations. So, uh, but I believe it'll get done. Uh, Sebastian Ajo will not play for another NHL team other than the Hurricanes, in my opinion. And Adam was right on the money. They did uh, dot the I's and cross the T's. It's a massive extension. Eight years, $78 million. The deal goes into effect next season, where Ajo will count $9.75 million against the salary cap from that point on through 2032. That's a raise from the nearly $8.5 million he's making currently as the Hurricanes' top center and all-important uh, uh, defensive forward as well. Uh, statement from GM Don Waddell. Sebastian has developed into one of the best two-way centers in hockey. A tremendous leader on and off the ice. He's a great example for our younger players. We're grateful he's decided to stay in Carolina for the foreseeable future. The 26-year-old Finn with 468 points in 520 career regular season games. All with Carolina and nearly a point-per-game player in the playoffs. He's got 58 in 63 career playoff matches. The Hurricanes made the playoffs in each of the past five seasons and would appear to be a contender once again this season. They entered the offseason with roughly $24 million in cap space. They've re-upped goaltenders Freddie Anderson, Antti Ranta. will make a splash in free agency with Dimitri Orloff, Michael Bunting, and Tony D'Angelo in the fold. So Sebastian Ajo gets locked up long-term. And speaking of long-term... Uh, we go to Toronto, where we've sort of expected this for a while, but the Maple Leafs announced earlier today that goaltender Matt Murray is out indefinitely and will be placed on long-term injured reserve to start the season. The team has not provided specifics on his injury. Last year, Murray with a 9.03 save percentage and a 3.01 goals against, finishing with a 14-8-2 record. 29-year-old net miner with several injury concerns over the season but did finish the season as the team's backup for games four and five in the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Last time he saw game action, April 2nd, against the Detroit Red Wings, a game that he left early after suffering a concussion. Leafs, however, in a cap space crunch right now. They needed to free up some cap space after fellow goalie Ilya Samsonov was awarded a one-year, $3.55 million deal in arbitration. Many thought that could perhaps mean Matt Murray would be a buyout candidate for Toronto. That's not the case, though. Uh, Toronto acquired Murray in a third-round pick in the 2023 NHL draft from the Sen- or 2022 NHL draft, excuse me, from the Senators last offseason. 
uh, in exchange for future considerations. He's heading into the final year of a four-year, $25 million deal that he signed with the Sens as part of his uh, acquisition last summer. Uh, the Senators holding $1.56 million of his $6.25 AAV million uh, on their books. So Leafs get a little bit of cap relief with uh, Matt Murray uh, now out indefinitely and placed on uh, long-term injured reserve. Again, no details provided. Uh, by the team on what exactly the injury is that's going to keep him out uh, to start the season, and like they said, indefinitely uh, right now. Also, big news yesterday of the NHL was that Patrice Bergeron, one of the greatest Canadian hockey players of all time, one of the best Boston Bruins of all time, uh, announced his retirement from the NHL after 19 seasons and a Stanley Cup victory. That uh, was, of course, uh, the big news of the day, and uh, now... Earlier this morning, he spoke to media in Boston uh, on the decision. We'll play a bit of uh, Patrice Bergeron as he says goodbye to the NHL and answers questions uh, on his departure after 19 seasons in the NHL. Season, was it something in the summer with your body told you that, that it was time? Or where did that come from? Yeah, I think there's. it was a combination of things. You know, like I don't think I can say it was one thing. There was one particular time that, you know, um, made me really make that decision I think it was more over time I knew that so before when I signed uh, this past summer um, I knew it was for one year uh, I was leaning that it might be my last year so the whole year I was kind of preparing for that and over time you know with uh, the body and and uh, realizing that you know um, it was it was just time for me to kind of move on and, and there's a lot of things that kind of influenced me but obviously the uh, the main thing is probably the body and, and you know, spending more time with, with the family and, and kind of I've always wanted to and told myself that uh, for me, like, uh, I wanted to play the game at the, the highest level that, that I could and um, felt like uh, I wanted kind of to leave on, on top of my game and, and, and feeling good about it, but also thinking about the future and knowing that I want to continue to uh, being able to spend time with the family, but also being active and, and doing other things and other uh, endeavors that uh, I've always wanted to, but I never really had the time to do. Patrice, um, congratulations again. Thank you. Um, I assume that the decision to retire involved family and council and friends and people you're close to, but has there been a meeting yet? You mentioned the future a few minutes ago. Like, what is the future? Was the future discussed, or is that to be determined down the road? I don't mean exactly what you're going to do, mm. but is there some kind of framework of what Patrice Bergeron's future looks like? Um, no, not for now. I think right now it's really more uh, I want to take the time to to really take a step back and, and think about what I want to do and what's the next ch chapter is going to be like. Um, first and foremost, it's going to be you know taking some time for myself and my family and, um, and, and spending some more time at home. You know, obviously, as, as you know, uh, I've always been grateful and thankful for being a professional athlete and being able to, to live a childhood dream, but also at the same time, it takes away some some family time and some, some time, you know, away from the kids. So uh, I have some catching up to do, and I'm looking forward to that. And, and then eventually, uh, I'm sure there's going to be, you know, uh, uh, a next chapter or, or things that I, that I was going to, you know, that I'll want to do, I guess I should say. Congratulations. Uh, Thank you. I know you released a statement, but what would your message be to the Boston fans right here and now? 
Yeah, uh, thank you for everything. It's been uh, an absolute honor to, uh, you know, when you, you get drafted, you never know, right, where you're going to end up, what the journey is going to be like. Uh, it's obviously a dream, as, as I said many times, and I couldn't be more grateful and thankful for, you know, being here, uh, arriving as, a, as an 18-year-old kid, basically, young adult, and not knowing too much, whether it's language or even the adult life, really. And, um, you know, the city really took me under its wing and uh, embraced me, and it's been, uh, it's been special. So the fans and everyone, you know, I'm thankful for, for the memories and everything that uh, you guys have brought to, to, to me and my family. Hey, Patrice, congratulations. Thanks. And thanks for everything over the years. Um, I just wonder if you can go back. I know it's a long time ago, but when you were out, in the 2007 08 mm -hmm. season after the concussion and you're going through hell basically um what's going through your head there and how what was like a turning point for you where you knew you were going to be able to still achieve your dream yeah i think the um, you know at that particular moment you're more thinking about um your future and 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 just making sure you're you're going to live a, a good life right so um so it was a long journey and a long process but then I think like the next year, I started feeling better. Uh, I knew it was still some work to do, and um, but yeah, I, you know, it's it's a good question. I, I think over time, I've always believed that uh, I was going to find a way to to get back on track and 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 towards my goals and and what I thought I could and we could accomplish as a team. So um, yeah, I think it took it took a few years, uh, a lot of help, obviously on the mental side. You know, Dr. Steve Durant I've, has been helping me since the beginning. Um, and after after that, uh, you know that incident actually, and, and my family obviously all the support that I've had uh, uh, to um, to get me back on track and, and 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 feeling better about myself mentally and also physically. Do you remember that yeah, it was special, you know. And I think like uh, I feel like uh, I've said that before, but like things happen for a reason, uh, you know. Of course, I'd like to change that moment, but at the same time, I wouldn't because it's it's it, it made me. You know, stronger made me realize how thankful I am and, and grateful to to be able to play that sport. As I said before, a childhood dream, and they took that away from me for for quite some time. And um, so every time in, in the harder days or the dog days of winter, when it's dark out, and you know, um, I was trying to always appreciate practice or or a workout or obviously a game. So uh, it taught me a lot. Patrice. Um not to take you back to 07 again, and I apologize, and then we can move on maybe. Mm -hmm. But uh, for those of us who were there that day, it was, a, to me anyway, it was a, you know, we've talked about this. It was kind of a frightening news conference. And it, it, it occurred to me, and I don't know if it occurred to you, did, was it in your mind that, that you might not play again? Can you speak specifically to that? Yeah, no, I don't think it was ever in my mind. I, uh, I always believed, I always had hope that uh, I was going to get better. Um, but yeah, I guess there were some moments that you know were a little darker and 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 uh, that, that had me think for for a second. But I was always trying to stay positive on 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 moving past that that hurdle and and that uh, adversity and and find, finding a way. Uh, congrats on retirement. Thank you. Uh, couple questions. First, how strong were the second thoughts if you had any? before the official announcement, mm -hmm. just thinking about it this summer. And who did you talk to most about retiring The you know when you were thinking about it back mm -hmm. and forth and maybe what was the best advice or the best thing that somebody said to you while you were talking to people about yeah, it? Yeah, you know, I, um, 
I, I, I've talked to, to a lot of guys uh, over the, the course of the last, you know, year, I guess, since last summer. Uh, uh, a lot of great conversations, a lot of people, a lot of guys I respect a lot, and uh, a lot of different opinions also, and and and, and advice. So it, it was pretty special, and and to me, the the recur recurring team was always that you're gonna you're gonna know when it's time, you know, and and it just felt like it, it was. Um, I you know I'm I'm a, I'm a very intuitive guy. I feel like I always listen to my instincts and, and my heart, and and it just felt like it was it was time for me to to move on. Unfortunately, I wish I could play till you know forever and never have to to do this. And and uh, but as you know, you know it's it's eventually uh, you have to to move on, and the body has it tells you some things sometimes. And and um, I think I was I had an idea most of the year that it was most likely there was a good chance it was going to be my last year. I wasn't necessarily like public as you know with it and I wasn't sharing with many people but uh, some guys knew that there was there was a chance uh, but I have always and obviously communicated with uh, management with Cam and Sweens a lot about it and and you know so they they knew like even at exit meetings that you know it, it was a possibility but then I didn't want to obviously close the door completely because I wanted to make sure I was going to let the dust settle and 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 really think about you know it's a big you know it's a big decision and I didn't want to I, I guess uh make the wrong one I guess and I wanted to make sure it was it was a um, the right decision for myself and my family so it took a lot of time but um, and and you know put a, thought, a lot of thoughts into it and uh, but at the end of the day it's um, you know it, I feel like it's it's the right decision for my for myself I'm excited for what's to come but obviously as I said it's mixed feelings to be here standing here right now like a, um, you know part of me is 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 you know, as I said, grateful and sad to, to leave uh, something so special, but also uh, excited uh, for, for the next chapter. Hi, Patrice. First off, congratulations Thank on a you. phenomenal career. Um, the city of Boston and all the fans have so much to remember you by, whether it be all the Selkies, whether it be the Stanley Cup win, your leadership. What do you specifically want to be remembered for, and what do you want your legacy to be, if you could write it in your own words? Um, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's, that's such a hard question for me. I think the um, what I've always tried to do is, is be a good role model for for kids and the younger generation, for for my kids, but also for uh, anyone that um, watched um, you know the Bruins or, or the game. And it was always important for me to kind of try to leave a good good example and 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 lead that way uh, on and off the ice. You know, I think the community work was uh, really important for me and. I've met so many amazing people uh, throughout the years that uh, it, it's pretty special. Uh, uh, so I don't know. I think um, the one thing I'll, I'll, I'll definitely say is I left everything out there. I have no regrets on on anything, um, and and I I gave my all. You know, it's but to to be remembered, I think it's more uh, hopefully the um, the connections and 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 the way that I was trying to. To get to know people personally, and to me, that's what matters most. Congratulations, Hi. Patrice. What do you love about the game of hockey? Oh my God. <laughs> um, obviously, what what the feelings that that you get right playing the game and the adrenaline, the, the challenge, um, you know, the adversity. Uh, I've said that many times. I think the. Um, the the game has given me more than I've actually been able to to give the game. It's 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 pretty special just to have like the 
the friends and 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 the people reaching out yesterday about um you know whether i've played with them for for a year or for for more more than that it's 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 always the connections the friendships the people that i've met and to me that's that's what i that's what i'll miss the most probably it, it is uh you know the laughs and 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 all the the great memories but the game is has given me a lot and and i'm pretty thankful for for it all and um yeah but i think it's it's the competitiveness and and um yeah i i think it's it's i guess a combination of things. it's not one thing that i that i love the most about it but it's just how we, i guess i feel about it patrice congrats thank you um when i've talked to you uh in the past about this day or, yeah. or the future you've sounded lack of a better word you you sound lukewarm about the idea of coaching mm -hmm. still feel that way is is that a fair depiction yeah i think so um I, I don't think it's it's in the cards for now. Uh, you know, you never say never and see what what can happen eventually. But for now, uh, as I said uh, earlier, is you know I'm I have a lot of catching up to do at home, and and I want to kind of take it take time to rest and really um, take time for myself as well and and unwind. And you know, it's it's been. Um, an amazing ride for 20 years but also like hockey brings you a lot of you know pressure and stress and 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 things you know on on the outside that the it'll be a nice change to, to just be able to kind of be the uber driver for the family for a little bit and, and and just relax and 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 that's it so um but yeah never say never but i don't you know for now i don't have like a, a want or a will to to coach that is now former Bruins forward Patrice Bergeron, just part of his retirement press conference held today in Boston, announcing his retirement for 19 seasons in the NHL yesterday. One more piece of NHL news to bring you here before we take a break. Uh, sounds as though Logan Cooley will not be heading back to college. There was a report earlier this offseason, wasn't ready to commit to the Arizona Coyotes, but apparently uh, feelings have changed. Expected, uh, according to Elliot Friedman of Sportsnet, to sign his ELC with the Coyotes and push for a roster spot this season. So good news for Coyotes fans who are perhaps beginning to worry about Cooley's status with the organization going forward. Obviously, the uh, the college route always one that can worry teams if they decide to stay there for the full four years and perhaps walk away from the team. It doesn't sound as though Cooley will take that option, expect him to perhaps put his name in the Calder Trophy race for this upcoming season uh, as one of the NHL's top prospects. So Sebastian Ajo, eight-year contract extension with the, with the Carolina Hurricanes. Matt Murray onto long-term injury reserve for the Maple Leafs. Brad Mar uh, Patrice Bergeron speaking to the media today following his retirement. And Logan Cooley expected to sign his ELC with the Arizona Coyotes. We will take a break. We'll come back on the other side. It was a heartbreaker last night for the Toronto Blue Jays. It looked like they had it all signed, sealed, and delivered for another win against one of the best teams in the NL, but it all fell apart in the ninth and 10th inning. What to do with the Toronto Blue Jays as the trade deadline continues to loom over this group. We'll talk to Show Ali from Sportsnet 590 The Fan in Toronto when we come back here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Alex DeJesus back. 1-1. One, one. 
Lifted to center field. Kiermaier going back, leaps at the wall, and he kept it in play, but that will win the ball game. Taylor comes around to score as James Outman walks it off for the Dodgers in 10. Heartbreak for the Toronto Blue Jays. A high-scoring ninth inning you'd think was going to put it away for Toronto, but an uncharacteristic from Eric, uncharacteristic outing from Eric Swanson out of the pen leads to that Dodgers win, bottom of the 10th inning, and questions continue to swirl around this Toronto Blue Jays team as the trade deadline inches ever closer. Welcome back to the program at Sportsnet today. Logan Gordon along with you, and very happy to go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline and chat more about the Toronto Blue Jays. Welcome to our pal from Sportsnet 590, the fan in Toronto, Show Ali, joining us this afternoon. Show, thanks for the time, man. How are you? Good, Logan. How are you? I'm doing good, pal. Uh, look, these West Coast series, I know, always tough for Jays fans. The 10 o'clock starts uh, to start things off. Now we've gone back-to-back double uh, games into extra innings, but uh, that's got to hurt to stay up all that time, only for it to end that way last night in LA. Yeah, you know what? It's it's always tough when games end abruptly and their losses because you kind of feel like, oh, the investment of time you put into it is not worth it in the end. But it's like somehow doubly more hurtful when it's at at least here on the East Coast when it's like at two thirty in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, look. Uh... There's a lot that went wrong for the Jays there, but I, I mean, I guess the biggest question last night will be what happened with with Eric Swanson. That was an uncharacteristic outing from him. Just, I mean, for the most part, I guess you'd probably look at Swanson this year show and say everything was pretty good, but just didn't have it last night. Yeah, I think that's kind of kind of where I fell on it. Like, don't get me wrong, he he pitched poorly, and like it, it almost it, it feels like it's been a while, Logan, since we've seen. Swanson splitter be like have some real bite to it like have some really nasty but uh, he still managed to get away with a lot of pitches yesterday and you know what as poorly as he pitched there were like maybe what three individual moments that should have very likely ended the game at a couple of different points right there was the the Will Smith hit that eats up Matt Chapman that was an error and uh, that would have otherwise been a double play that would have ended the game there was, I think that hit at an expected batting average of like 210. There was the uh, Chris Taylor hit that goes off of Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s glove that had an expected batting average of 250. And then, of course, whatever Santiago Espinal was doing, not only after he fails to barehand the ball, which is a difficult play, but after he picks it up and then just kind of watches. And it, kudos to Will Smith, who never stopped running, it would seem. He made a great play, a very heads-up base running display by him. But, boy, it's just a lot of things had to go wrong for the Blue Jays to blow a four-run lead uh, in the bottom of the ninth inning, and basically every single one of them, unfortunately, went wrong. Yeah, the Espinal one was the one that I wanted to bring up with you because it feels like his spot on the roster right now is kind of secured by the fact that he is usually so solid defensively, and yeah. I, I don't I don't know. You kind of explained it well. I don't really know how else to describe what it was last night other than just a a lapse in judgment from him to just sort of pause with the ball. You're not wrong. I mean, like, look at it. Like you, you just said it perfectly, Logan, that Espinal's spot is generally secured not by his bat, 
but by his glove, right? It's also, and I guess, secured by his positional versatility because beyond Bo Bichette, he's the pretty much the only other guy, as we saw just a couple of days ago, when Bo got the kind of the half day off uh, of playing it short. But, you know, he, he's the only other guy who can play it short. So that definitely factors in, in a huge way, his defensive reliability. And, like, every every player in Major League Baseball, every athlete, every person is going to make mistakes. So, like, I don't think we should necessarily – it's not that that you hold. It's not that he made a mistake that you hold him his feet to the fire to. It's just it's that he made such a huge mental error in such a massive spot. And then when you add in that his bat has not quite been there for basically the entirety so far of 2023, especially compared to a lot of the conversations we were having last year, especially the beginning of last year, it just it does kind of make you wonder what Espinal's long-term place on this team is, especially when you look at. The minors, right? I know a lot of people like to say, oh, the farm, t- the farm team isn't quite as well stocked as it perhaps otherwise could be. And, and that perhaps is true, but you do – like there's no way that you can't have like Ernie Clement, for example, who's sitting down there in the majors who ha- – minors, pardon me, who has contributed in the majors earlier this exact season. You can't tell me that like Ernie Clement would, couldn't do what Espinal is doing. Or like Davis Schneider, who's not in the 40-man, who's having a very good season in the minors, couldn't also do – what Espinal is doing. So it's not as though there are no other options for the Blue Jays, which is why it's unfortunate because, I, you know, I, you kind of wonder as we get towards the end of the season, it's the end of July here, only a couple more months in, in, this, in the regular season, that I wonder if, if maybe if these kinds of things continue, then perhaps uh, a decision will be kind of made for Ross Atkins when it comes to Espinal's spot on this team. Is that kind of the, the biggest problem that Jays management finds themselves in is that there's just kind of seems to be – I don't want to say there's a major problem or a major lacking in this team, but it feels like there's a couple of those areas show where we're talking about they could use a, a little upgrade here and there. And when you add in, you know, three or four of those, it turns into a big task for Ross Atkins. And, and what I kind of mean by that is, okay, you'd, you'd like to upgrade on Santiago Espinal. You, perhaps you'd like to have a, a more consistent everyday outfielder than Dalton Varshow. Then you add in, okay, well, you'd always like another arm in the bullpen it feels like a lot of little things are adding up to big things potentially ahead of the trade deadline for Ross Atkins when it comes to where he's going to add. Yeah, I know what you mean. Because the other kind of half of the equation when it comes to the deadline this year, which is not that far away. I mean, where it's, it's a, what, it's Wednesday today, where the next yeah. uh, deadline the deadline's on Tuesday. So it's, it's not that much, not much time remaining for Ross Atkins to make a move but the, the other half of the equation is simply that a lot of other teams want to make those moves as well, right? Like you got the third wild card spot that's been around for now a couple of years. And because of that, it kind of feels like beyond, let's say, four teams in Major League Baseball, maybe five teams. Let's say it's like the Rockies, the Nationals, the Royals, unfortunately the Cardinals this year, maybe like one or two other teams. But apart from those handful of teams, basically every team in Major League Baseball is in or near a playoff spot to the point where they might hold out as long as humanly possible for dealing away prospects or dealing away parts of their major league team or going out there and acquiring pieces. So if Ross Atkins on a shopping list wants another right-handed bat to bolster the position players, wants to add to the bullpen, maybe he wants to add to the back end of the starting rotation, depending on what he feels he is seeing from Alec Manoa or Hyunjin Ryu, if Ryu pitches a couple days before the deadline, uh, next week, like let's say next Sunday or Monday, then, I mean, it, it kind of just makes his job harder. I, I do think he'll probably end up focusing 
on one thing, especially if Ryu comes back and pitches competently or if, let's say, Alc Manoa looks a little better against the Angels or perhaps Chad Green comes back from his rehab assignment and continues to look good and results are surprisingly positive at single-A Dunedin for Chad Green. So maybe those things means that he doesn't have to go out and get a lot of external reinforcements. But, I mean, like it still has to happen in some way, shape, or form for the Blue Jays to be a little more impactful if they want to be make some noise in the playoffs, I would think. If you had to, if it was up to you and you had one area that you could add to if you were Ross Atkins, what do you think is the most impactful area that he could add to this group ahead of the trade deadline show? Gosh, Logan, I, I've wrestled with a right-handed bat for the order or a bullpen, like a reliever, a bullpen piece. And you know what? Even even with Chad Green coming back, I think we have seen, to go back to what we were talking about with Eric Swanson and so on, I think we have basically seen that the, you can essentially never have enough uh, relievers, talented mm-hmm. relievers, right? Because I, I really do think like part of the reason Swanson pitched poorly is because the bullpen has largely been redlined over the past however many starts and I know a lot of people like to point to the previous Jose Kikuchi start against the Mariners he was five and a third he gets lifted after 78 pitches you probably could have saved one arm had he finished that inning and maybe that has a bit of a ripple effect or maybe when the Blue Jays were up six to three in the win against the Dodgers in game one of this series the bases were loaded in the, in the at the very end of the game in extra innings Bo works the bases loaded walk no outs they don't score any more runs maybe if they had scored a couple more runs maybe Jordan Romano wouldn't have had to been used, and Romano could have been used last night, for example, instead of a clearly gassed Eric Swanson. So and there, there are a lot of ripple effects, like butterfly effects, I guess, um, which is also a great movie. But um, <laughs> I do kind of wonder when it comes to the bullpen, you can never really have enough relievers. So, yeah, like I'm not saying they need to go out and get, like, you know, Andrew Chafin, or they need to go out and, and get, like, uh, the Alexis Diaz's of the world and so on, sure. but just someone to help reorder the bullpen a little bit to take the pressure off of the Romanos and Swansons and Richards of the world because we're starting to see the crack show a little bit. I guess while we're on the topic of the bullpen, the, the one positive for me last night, I guess, uh, recently acquired Yenisys Cabrera comes in. He covers two scoreless innings, punches out uh, Freddie Freeman and Smith back-to-back. John Schneider, pretty happy with what we've seen from him so far. That's got to be a big relief, especially... We saw Mesa come in, give up that home run, and this is supposed to be a guy that can take some of those innings off of a guy like Tim Mesa. Been a good start to his Blue Jays career so far for Cabrera. Yeah, look at the very least on Mesa, real quick. I'm not, I don't, I'm not going to hold it too much against Mesa because he gave up a home run to I think it was JD Martinez, and JD Martinez, first of all, was Mesa's first home run in the entirety of 2023, which is honestly itself very impressive. That's the first time he's given up a home run. And then he basically retired everyone else he faced, like almost like he wasn't even trying. So I I appreciate to see the bounce back from Mesa. Also, somehow a 35-year-old J.D. Martinez is on pace over over a full 162, is on pace for like a 50-home run season, which is just absurd, considering he hit like 16 home runs last year. But on the the Yenesis Cabrera thing, I agree with you. Like he came in in, and for a guy who literally pitched for the first time in a Blue Jays uniform the night before – and for him to come out there and so, show off some really nasty stuff, I mean, like he came in to face a pocket of lefties. And as you might imagine, Dave Roberts pinch hit Chris Taylor to be the first guy to face Cabrera in, in place of the lefty David Peralta. And 
Cabrera showed off basically all of the nastiest stuff in a three-pitch strikeout. He showed off a very slow curveball, a four-seamer right at the top of the zone, and then a slider to finish him off. Like, just nasty stuff. And, yeah, he ran into a little bit of trouble with James Altman. He got out of it, faced the top of the order again, got out of that. It, I mean, I'm not going to draw conclusions necessarily from, like, let's say three innings for his Blue Jays career just yet, but... I mean, Cabrera has got to be sneaking into the circle of trust a little bit, at the very least, on the outskirts. And if he can do that, you know, more uh, more consistently, then hey, I mean, it would be great to have another hard-throwing lefty in the pen to relieve some of the stress on Mesa, for example. Shawali is along with us, joining all things Toronto Blue Jays. They fell to the Dodgers last night. They have an afternoon matchup today to close things out. You take Kikuchi getting the start on the mound for the Blue Jays. And while we have your show. Uh, our pal Jeff Passan from ESPN, despite being on the injured list himself, uh, still breaking baseball news. Uh, he had this one just a few moments ago when we started talking. Uh, Trent Thornton being dealt to the Seattle Mariners. Uh, he was DFA'd last week by the Jays. Uh, the Jays acquire infielder Mason McCoy currently in AAA. Not much of a surprise there. It felt like Thornton's time with the Jays had come to an end for sure. Oh, yeah. Like, I think when, when they got Cabrera, like uh, Passon was saying, they, they DFA'd the guy. And I think you have, you have like a couple of days, essentially, after you get DFA'd to, to find a, a trade for that player before he just becomes a free agent, I believe, unless he goes, you know, gets claimed on waivers or whatever. So clearly the Blue Jays found a solution for Thornton. You know what? Thornton, like, had his uses, for sure. Like, he did. He, he started games. He started actually more than his fair share of games than perhaps anyone would have expected in a Blue Jays uniform. But, hey, I'm happy for the guy. I admit I can't say too much about Mason McCoy because I'm not, I admit, as up-to-date on the Mariners farm system <laughs> as I am on the, on the Blue Jays farm system. But I, I am happy he's finding a home somewhere because Trent Thornton has had some very competent and, and timely work for the Blue Jays when they needed it, especially when guys were injured as of late. Like, maybe like over the last couple of years, let's say. Yeah, for sure. It's, it certainly hasn't turned out. Uh, the last couple of years here in Toronto, last little while in Toronto, but you're right. I think a chance to perhaps reset himself in Seattle, and we've seen that uh, pretty you know recently between the Jays and and the Mariners. There's a path there clearly uh, between the two management groups to to make deals like this. So we'll see uh, what, if anything, we see from Mason McCoy currently with the AAA affiliate, uh, the Tacoma Rainiers, uh, with Seattle right now. So he comes over in the deal for Trent Thornton. Uh, so I'm curious where you sit on, on the conversation around Brandon Belt and his spot in the lineup right now. Obviously, uh, a more expanded role than Jays fans probably expected him to be in. But at the same time, uh, really, I don't know there's much of a different option to go with at that three-hole right now. What do you think John Schneider does as, as the rest of the season rolls on here? Can we trust Brandon Belt to be a table setter at that three spot? Or is that one of those areas that maybe you'd like to see adjusted if they can get a, a, a bat in there if you're the Jays? You know, I, I, I would like to see it changed, not because I think Brandon Belt has had a, a bad season. In fact, who would have thought that a Brandon Belt coming off of surgery would perhaps be one of the Blue Jays' most important bats, which I, I'm not sure what that necessarily says about the Blue Jays' the state of the batting order right now or or perhaps the, the uh, lack of production from certain other bats in the lineup that you hope could have gone in there. But um, I, I don't have a really an issue with Belt in the three-hole, but it, I do think, and, and it does obviously matter, like if you're facing a righty or a lefty, depending, you might not have a lot of lefties in the lineup, for example, on some days you might have a lot of lefties in the lineup, other days and you might pack it with guys like Varsho and Kiermaier and Biggio and certainly Belt as well. But 
Let, let's take Belt out of it for a second. I actually, one of the players I would love to see bat third more consistently is actually George Springer. If you are kind of rearranging the batting order to a certain extent, like I, I would love to see some kind of batting order. And of course, this would have to be tweaked again with the whole righty-lefty thing. But I would love to see the top four or five in some order be, let's say, Merrifield leading off. And we saw that yesterday with no Springer for the, for the first little bit of that game. But Merrifield leads off because he gets on base so prodigiously. Maybe Bo bats second, Springer bats third, Vlad bats fourth, and then perhaps you can kind of mix it up beyond Vladdy as you need to. Maybe it's Chapman bats fifth sometimes. Maybe it's uh, Danny Jansen or Alejandro Kirk bats fifth. If Kirk turns it around, and of course Jansen seems to have some real late clutch thunder in his bat as of late, which is great to see, so you hope that can keep up. But I, I, w- I wouldn't mind seeing Springer bat third. I think that could solve a lot of problems, and he has been, I don't want to say scuffling, but I mean, he's, he's a, a veteran guy. And now that he has the whole, he has second place of the whole leadoff home runs thing all mm-hmm. to himself. And he's, I mean, probably not going to catch Ricky Henderson because no one probably will. But <laughs> yeah. now that that record is all his, his at second place, I mean, it might not be a bad place for Springer to bat third. Uh, I heard uh, Jeff Blair and Kevin Barker batting this around the other day uh, on Jay's talking, and I'm curious where you sit on it. Is one of the reasons this Jay's team feels so frustrating to to fans right now, despite the fact that they're well above 500 and playing competitive baseball down the stretches. One of the reasons, show, that they're so frustrating to fans is that they're kind of teasing what they can do offensively still. Like, this still hasn't been a group that's come together with three or four guys hot at the bat, at the plate at the same time. Like, we've had, you know, Bichette's kind of been the driver of the offense for mo- probably most consistently all year long, but it feels like at times... There's been Vladdy's uh, stretches. At times, there's been Stringer stretches. But we haven't really seen this offense click at the same time for an extended period of time yet this season. I I think that's valid. I I really do because it's true. You kind of feel like there's a lot more, you know, uh, meat left on the bone to be consumed here from from a lot of people. I I know Bo was kind of going through it a little bit, basically until he finished a triple short of the cycle last night, which is very impressive. So I, I think... Any worries about Bo Bichette, I think maybe we'll give it a couple more games just to make sure. But, I mean, it's a, it's a league full of adjustments. Maybe they adjusted to him, and he has now adjusted back, as most great players do. But you're right. Like, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., I think a lot of people wanted a little bit more from Vladdy this year. I think a lot of people certainly expected more from Alejandro Kirk this year. And it, it, there, I think there are signs of him turning it around, but he still is hitting into a lot of double plays and is not getting the ball off the ground. At least he is working some more walks as of late, but still, I think a big part of what made Kirk so attractive as is your next catcher was that his it was not only the power, but his eye, and both of those things have not been there very consistently this year. So there's certainly Kirk Chapman cooled off after a very hot start to the year. Kiermaier cooled off after a very hot start to the year, right? So it's just, like, you can kind of hide maybe one or two struggling players when your offense is not necessarily clicking. You can't hide like five of the nine guys, right? You can only <laughs> yeah. do it to a certain extent. So I, I think that is why it is so frustrating because it feels as though you can almost, you know this, I know it, the fans know it, and the players certainly know it, that they are capable of playing better. It just feels like we have not yet gotten all the things at the same time that you want, right? Like you haven't gotten the, the consistent bullpen pitching at the same time as the offensive production at the same time 
as the starting pitching production as well. You get like two of the three, but not all three at the same time. And you never get the same two twice, basically, right? So it can be a little confounding, I suppose. But, I mean, there's, they, they are starting to I, – I know it's been a rough road trip, but they are starting to look like their signs are turning it around. And even with the loss last night, which is brutal no matter how you slice it, they still have one of the best records, if not the best record in the American League over the past 50 games. So they're, they're, it's not as if they're playing poorly. It's just you do expect them to play even better, essentially. Yeah, and we'll see if they can uh, continue that uh, tonight, uh, I guess this afternoon against the Dodgers. Show really appreciate the time as always, pal. Thanks for hopping on today. We'll chat again soon, hey? Of course, yeah. Anytime, Logan. Anytime you want. Take care, pal. Appreciate it. There you go. Show Ali joining us down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar. Guest hotline, Jays pre- and post-game, Sportsnet 590, the fan. In Toronto, Jays and Dodgers close out this series from L.A. This afternoon with Yusei Kikuchi on the mound for the Jays. And, yes, it was a frustrating loss last night for the Toronto Blue Jays. Let's hear from manager John Schneider following the team's loss at the hands of the L.A. Dodgers in 10 innings. Um, you know, a couple couple weird hops, really. You know, weird hop to Chappie. Um, you know, Vladdy off his glove in context of weird hop to Aspie. And, uh, you know, you give credit to Will Smith for not taking anything for granted and, and going all the way. Um, can't give teams extra outs, you know, teams like this. And, um, you know, you feel good with Swanee there. And you give credit to them having some good at-bats and, and putting the ball in play. Do you think Espinel could have done anything differently on that play? i got to look at it and talk to him. Yeah, it's, you know, not quite sure if he still thought he had to play with Taylor at first. Um, weird play, you know, when it deflects off somebody. Um, I'll, I'll look at it and talk with him. But um, a lot of moving parts there for sure. Yeah, I thought he was good. They made him work. You know, pitch count got up there. Um, that's kind of what they do. That's their MO. Um, a lot of close pitches, I thought, and they didn't really budge. So, um, you know, kind of a typical Chris, you know, navigated in tough spots. First and second, nobody out, um, limiting damage and, and got some big outs when he needed to. But uh, biggest thing was kind of just pitch count, you know. But uh, turning over to Genesis, you know, kind of really, really um, impressive outing from him. And um, I think that was Timmy's first home where he gave up this year against a good hitter. But um, those guys have been really, really good. Um, yeah, it just didn't work out tonight. For those who aren't, uh, haven't seen your ball club play a lot, how, how uncharacteristic was what we saw today in the late innings? Oh, I mean, yeah, it's, it's like two, it's two weird plays. You know, you feel really good with those guys in the infield. Um, you know, it's, you're talking about a platinum clover with a bat hop to chap. You know, that just... Uh, you know, that kind of sucks. And, and, you know, weird play, you know, kind of a squibber on a slider um, off Taylor. But, you know, we, we take pride in those things. And um, I think when you're playing a really good team, you know, it gets a little bit magnified. But um, kind of outlier plays, I think, for us. What did you think of Swanson's stuff today? I thought he was good. You know, I thought, um, you know, fastball command maybe not quite there. And, um, you know, it wasn't a whole lot of hard contact. So, you know, when you get a dude like him, you know, with the split and the slider, you know, that kind of stuff happens sometimes. Um, I thought he was good. Again, you feel good with Swanee there. You know, you feel good with anyone really there in a four-run lead. Um, and they kind of just really grinded. You know, they put the ball in play and, and kind of made things happen. Yeah. Yeah. Needed about seven innings up for have a breather. He's, he's back to him. Um, he was impressive, you know, I think, you know, you just look at his overall at-bats. He was on everything, um, kind of, you know, I think the homer, two strikes, breaking ball, you know, hitting it the way he did. That's kind of him. Um, impressive for him to kind of, you know, jump right back into it and spraying the ball over the field. Um, he's one of the best hitters in the league for sure, and um, that's kind of what we've come to expect out of Bo.
But the way wings are so important now, how, how easy to get past this or how difficult? Yeah, I mean, it sucks right now for sure. That's a, that's a tough one. You know, you look back and you say you got a four-run lead in the ninth and you want to put that one in the bag, but uh, you got to move on. You got to come back tomorrow. It's a quick turnaround and you got to try to win a series. Um, you know, baseball's, baseball's weird sometimes. I've said that before. Um, you know, we'll flush this and, you know, get up early and hopefully you say he's got his A game tomorrow, but uh, you can't dwell on it. You know, these guys played hard. That was a good game. You know, it was a good game and a couple weird plays in the ninth inning. Um, and when you give good teams extra outs, you know, you're always kind of flirting with danger a little bit, but uh, we'll flush it and get ready to roll tomorrow. Jansen obviously came through in a big way for you guys again. Um, I'm just wondering if the origin of that change, was that more of like a defensive change for, to bring him in? Uh, more so to try to, you know, just a little bit of an upgrade in speed uh, there for um, trying to add on runs. Um, nothing against Kirky, but I think, you know, you, you get Jan in there to try to add on a run. Um, you, you trust him to come up in any spot, really, him or Kirky offensively. You know, huge at bat from him. Um, but, yeah, I think it was just a speed upgrade. There you go, John Schneider following the Jays' loss last night to the L.A. Dodgers. We'll take a break. We'll come back on the other side. The Calgary Flames have locked up one of their top draft picks from the 2023 NHL draft. We'll tell you who that is next on Sportsnet Today, Sportsnet 960, The Fan.